Welcome back to the Lean Change Management Podcast. And uh, this week I'm talking with Jill Forbes from National Leasing. So those of you who uh, have seen the website, uh, Jill wrote a story back in November about how she was using some of these techniques with a change. National Leasing is an organization that helps over 57,000 Canadian businesses secure the equipment they need to help their businesses grow. And they offer a full range of financing services to commercial, agriculture, construction, transportation, forestry, healthcare, golf and turf equipment sellers. They have 60 sales agents and broker a network across Canada, and they're supported through the head office in Winnipeg, Manitoba. And today I'm talking with Jill Forbes, who's working for National Leasing, and she wrote a story on uh, the Lean Change Management blog uh, back in November, I guess it was, with some stories around how she was using some of these ideas on a change that they were just embarking. So uh, welcome to the show, Jill. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself? Sure. Thanks, Jason. Uh, so my name is Jill, and I've been working for National Leasing for just under 14 years. And I've had a number of different positions within the company, but I am quite new to the change management section. I started in change management for the major project or system or legacy systems change, which was this Felix project where we use the change canvases. So pretty new to change management, but we experienced a, I would call it a successful switch over. And so I'm happy to talk about what happened. Cool. Yeah, one of the one of the bullet points that you sent me in an email was that no one cried during the launch week. So we'll we'll talk a little bit about the outcome of the change, but that was uh, that was pretty interesting. Um, <laughs> the uh, the cool thing is, you know, mentioning that you're you're new to change. Um, I find that a, a lot of the ideas that uh, when people tell me that they're using them, it's because they're they're more accessible to people that might not have a, a discipline change management background. But uh, tell me about how, um, how, how you discovered these ideas and what got you thinking to, uh, to try out a change canvas and some of these techniques. Well, it started with a colleague and I, and we were just, we were sitting in a meeting room and I was not crying, but I was feeling a little bit stressed out about, oh my gosh, I've got this big job ahead of me and I, I'm, I have a hard time knowing where to start, where to even start. And she had read your book, the Lean Change Management book, and she brought it in and she was like super enthusiastic about it. And she said, look it, there's this change canvas that I think we should try. And I took a look and I thought, you know, I think this could work because like you say, the, the words are accessible. They mean something to people. And I think that that's really important because if I, if I were to go in and start talking about reds and blues and greens and yellows and categorizing people, I just think that that would be more for them to get. And it was too overwhelming for me. So I found that the change canvas was accessible as well as it made sense to me. It just made sense to ask people, what do they think they're going to need? Because getting them on board, I think was probably my, my biggest goal. Um, and I, I come from a training background. I guess I could have said that earlier. I come from a training background and I just find that when people come to things on their own, they're just much more meaningful. So that was really the, the reason why we, we decided to experiment <laughs> with the change canvas was, was to see if we could get people on board with it. Cool. Mm -hmm. Was, um, what was the reception 
to using it where there, there are people that, um, you know, canvases, there's thousands of them nowadays. They just, they seem to be all over the place. There's lean startup canvases and project canvases and this canvas and that canvas. Was it, did it seem kind of buzzwordy for some people or did some people have a, a negative reaction or did some people really love it? What was that mix of response like to using this? Well, uh, to be perfectly clear, or clear not, okay. So to, to tell you the truth, not that I'm not telling you the truth all the time right now, but <laughs> um, change management is new to national leasing. We had never formally done it before. So I don't think that anybody came into it with a, a preconceived notion that, well, there's this canvas or there's that canvas or there's this strategy or that strategy. Um, a lot of people went through ProSci and ADCAR. And so there's this concept that we should go through ADCAR, but never really, a, well, how do we get people through that? Um, I think that the, con the thought of putting every single person through the change canvas was a little bit daunting to managers that they would have to do this and then they would have to bring everybody through. The I mean, like everybody, time is always a real challenge, right? And for me to say, I'm going to need your people for two hours, two one-hour sessions, I can't tell you how many people rolled their eyes at me, right? Like, and, and we're not even talking about the actual application you mean like we're, we're not even opening it up. We're just, we're just going over what people need. Are you sure Jill? Um, and so I, I had to convince them, get that desire up. Uh, but once I got a couple of groups through, I think they really found the value in it. And, and I ended up, I put the managers through first. And so once they were familiar with it, then we put everybody else through it and once we got all the other people through it, that's when the managers really found value in, in it because it's one thing for you to progress through things. You don't necessarily see your own progression, right? It's, it's hard to take yourself out of that. But then once they could see their, their staff make that improvement and make that realization of what does this mean to me, they really found like, oh, well, this is totally meaningful. I can see how things are getting better here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, the uh, a workshop that I was in a couple of weeks ago when we did the, the section on trying uh, to create a canvas. So there's, there's a whole bunch of different types that are out there that people could use is that they capture the output of the conversation. So there's, there's nothing magical or particularly hard with, with using it. Um, it's a matter of just finding the right questions. So you're, you're not limited to here's this change process template to fill out. It's more, well, that question doesn't make any sense. We just won't use it and we'll use something different, uh, which is, which is pretty interesting. I like the, um, the, the story where you, you, you mentioned in the blog post that uh, after launching it to say, you know, this system won't exist anymore then the one manager goes, Oh, that's okay. If I can't use the, the, um, um, the, the the feature in the new one I'll use the old one so even you know it takes people's brains time to digest the change and I think we as change people fall too much into the resistant trap like oh we have to communicate 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 but we really want the we're after the dialogue not the not the just the one-way communication yeah I agree with that and and it's interesting to compare like resistance with just 
making meaning of what this change is, right? Like that manager, it's not like he had a problem with the system that was going to be implemented. He just didn't make the connection that even though I said it out loud, it didn't, it didn't mean anything to him that, no, we're shutting that down and you can't use that anymore. And it was only once people started producing those words on their own <laughs> that it really became clear to them that this is actually the way that it's going to be and, and, and that, no, you can't just go back to the way things were. Right, right. The, the one section where uh, we have the conversation around who's affected by this change and, and what do they need to do differently, I do find a lot of people, when they get to that part, um, if it's a replacement of an IT system or bringing in Agile or whatever it is, they, they tend to just say, well, everybody's affected and they're affected in a big way. Did, that, did you guys go deeper into coming up with ways that you know, hands on the keyboard, people using the system might have a deeper impact than the managers. And, and what was that conversation like? Yeah. So when I went through the canvas with the managers, I think it was very easy for them to just say, well, everybody, everybody's impacted just, just like you mentioned. And what, what I found when we went in with, you know, like you say, the people with their fingers on the keyboards is we had to watch that things didn't go too granular. Right. So, so what's changing? Well, the way that I do this process and the way that I do this process and this step within this sub process will change. And all of a sudden, you know, like you could spend 14 hours just talking about what's going to change, but really, you know, like, do you need to go that granular? Not at this point, not at this stage, but so it was a real uh, fine line to walk between going too big and saying, uh, well, it just impacts everybody and it impacts everything, you know, like your whole day is going to change to, well, I'm going to have to click in a different spot when the, you know, like yeah. really not really important at that point in time. Um, so we, I did have that conversation with managers beforehand to say, you know, like things will likely get pretty granular and it's up to you to, you know, bring them back to, you know, we don't want to talk at the 50,000 foot level and we don't want to talk at the hundred foot level. We kind of want to aim for that 10 to 20,000 foot level. Mm. Um, and, and for the most part it worked. And part of the other thing that happened was that because our system was being developed with agile methodology, the way that things looked on the day that we were potentially showing them or they were seeing things would be very different from the way that they would eventually look. So that was really helpful because it it kind of gave us the excuse that we couldn't go that granular right mm -hmm. so i think that's how we went through those conversations like sometimes it's easy to go super high level but then like the people who do that work they want to know the details right because their lives are in the details yeah for sure yeah i guess there's there's nothing worse than being in front of a new system when you're trying to do something and there's there's a customer sitting in front of you and what am I supposed to do again? I think it's going to happen, but I think, uh, yeah, pe people are going to figure it out, especially nowadays. I think we're so acclimatized to, um, the, the app mentality. Everything is, you know, software is eating the world. So every day we're learning, uh, you know, our favorite website Well, they decided to redesign it and I have to figure out how that works again. Oh, my banking platform, that's changed. I got to figure this out. So I think people are a little more used to, um, learning how to figure, figure out systems. Um, 
which is which is good. Yeah, and that is that is a change. I think for that was a change for us anyhow, um, because like our systems had been around for years, like a long time, and people knew their jobs inside and out, right? Like there's this pride that I know that, I mean, it's not like they know that it takes 25 clicks to get here, but they know that process inside and out. And then for things to change, but not only change, but continuously change, and not that it's changing dramatically, but that there's, you know, like we could have a new update and this could change here and this could change here. And I think that was a really helpful thing uh, for getting people used to that because you know we would have them practice and what the practice system looked like one week might be different than the way it looked another week or if there was an issue in the practice system they got used to that they got used to you know oh well there's a challenge here so I better report that and and they got used to not freaking out if something went a little bit awry or a little bit askew um, and they also got practice at, oh, well, this is not here anymore, it's over there. And so they kind of developed the tools themselves to be able to handle it when we went to production that if something was different or a little bit not, not the way that they thought it should be, it wasn't the end of the world. The sky wasn't falling. It was just, oh, okay, well, it's a little bit different. I can deal with this. Mm. So how, how did that practice happen? Were they, were they part of um, the sprint reviews? Was there a separate ceremony that you had set up to do that type of operational readiness? Yeah, it fell more within the training aspect of things. So what we had is um, all throughout the organization, we had uh, subject matter experts or SMEs and they might attend, you know, like the demo review or they would, we actually set up their own kind of demos once a week where they could practice and if they had questions about whatever part of the system that they had challenges with. So they would get familiar, they would familiarize themselves with the system and then they would then disseminate that information within the organization. And they had um, set training times and they would bring everybody into a room and train them. And then sometimes people would have homework to do. So between this lesson and next lesson, please go into uh, the training system and do this or do that so that people got familiar with, with accomplishing their regular goals. Um, additionally, where we found a lot of value was that um, we, had, we involved people with regards to regression testing. And um, so where we thought, okay, well, everybody has already done their whole jobs, uh, within the test system and then it was like, okay, so we are regression testing and you need to do this and this and this and this and this and this and this. All of a sudden it was like, oh, well, we hadn't considered that we have to do that. So that kind of changed people around. Um, and then another really positive thing that we did is we had a launch test where uh, for 30 minutes, we kind of, we said, okay, everybody, you have to get into the system all at the same time and do your job in this, in this training system, in the new system. And that was really helpful because it provided a load test just from the technical side, um, and it got everybody in there at the same time so that they could feel what it was like when everybody is in this system and they're all working on different stuff. And if they have a problem, they could be like, uh, hey, buddy over here, do you know how to do this? Can you help me? So, so I think, I think that, that really helped as well. Oh, that's good. How did, you, how did you make space for, for some of those ceremonies? Was it, 
pitched in a way that these are mandatory, thou shalt attend? Was it um, a little more collaborative? People just got that they needed to make time for this. But I find that that's usually the hard part with training is, hey, I've got my day job. I can't be bothered with, with this training thing, so I'm not going to go. Yeah. So uh, with regards to training, uh, we had different approaches and uh, it started out with, hey, guys, it'd be really great if you could go in and, you know, do something <laughs> for us. Uh, and and that didn't that didn't fly, you know, especially when it was just like, hey, go in and play, you know, like people didn't really jump on to the concept of just going in and playing in this giant environment where I don't know what what's going on. I don't really feel familiar with it. I don't really like it yet, mm. you know? Uh, so then we got into, um, okay, well, let's have a contest and you enter your name. And, uh, and so, you know, there were some rewards if you went in there. Um, and then towards the end, like close to launch, um, it was, uh, all right, everybody, you are scheduled to come and train during this time and this time and during this time to this time. And I think people had a little bit of ownership over that, especially the SMEs. Like it was never me saying your group will have this much training time. It was more about the SMEs or the subject matter experts saying, I think my group is going to need this amount of time. And I would help consult just to make sure that, you know, like, are you, are you covering all of the objectives that you want people to get? And are you making sure that, you're checking that not only are you saying what the objectives are, but that they can actually do that, you know? Um, so it started out optional and then it ended up with, no, you need to attend. And for the most part, people were really glad to attend. Like they really wanted training, especially when we first started talking about our system. The number one thing, well, I'm gonna need training. I'm, you're gonna need to train me. We're gonna need training. You're gonna need, uh, you know, and and, so there was a high desire for training. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes it was just a, oh, I'm just really busy right now. And I wish that I didn't have to go, but away you go anyhow. Mm -hmm. um, in addition to training, we did have, you know, like you could just book the room and go in and practice if you wanted to. But I found that unless people were scheduled, there wasn't a lot of go in on your own time that happened. Right, right. With the, uh, the the pictures that you put part of the blog post that there there was this big long hallway that had some of the quick wins. I like the one that you showed in the in the workshop with the the candy bars. So there's yeah. we're, we're, we're each other's smarties and we want all the pieces. That's a pretty cool metaphor. Um, how did that how did that visualization help or hinder or um, help you either with communication or alignment? What what was it like? I think it really helped. Um, initially, just within the workshops, it was good for people to have a visual in front of them where we they could see that we were recording what, what they said. You know, it wasn't just like, oh, Jill wrote it down and it exists somewhere, maybe, I don't know. Uh, so I think it made people, well, I hope that it made people feel like what I say matters because there it is. Um, and then like we had the canvases, like you say, along a highly frequented hallway. Uh, and that was really good because it, it gave anybody the opportunity to see what was going on with different departments. Um, 
it was also good for executive to walk by and see that, hey, you know, like this is a big deal. And for, you know, like under the, what kind of support are we going to need? If people see their names there, you know, like I'm going to need support from my executive, Chris, then that was more meaningful to him, right? It wasn't just like, well, I'm going to need, you know, obviously something's going to have to happen, but, but what actually is that? So I think it was helpful just for people to have in, in general in the office to have an understanding of what Felix, that's our system, what Felix did or what's going on with it, even if you're not directly impacted, as well as it helped people feel like what I say matters and what I need matters. And also it's just kind of fun. Like it's, it's cool to have a bunch of stuff all along the walls. And you know, I, that wins board with the, with the chocolate bars and stuff, it's, it's engaging, you know, you want to look at that and you want to see, Oh, what did they put for the thrills gum or, you know, like it's fun. And, and people could take ownership. Like I encourage people to take ownership over the wins board and some people did and some people didn't and that's okay. You know, like it's, it's whatever they want to make out of it is, is what's important there. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's important that people find some type of metaphor or story or something that helps with the stickiness factor. Mm-hmm. One organization I worked with, we were uh, we were using something called mastering the Rockefeller habits, and it's it, it preaches the same thing. So you have to find your groove or find your thing. And ours was moving boulders. So we used uh, as part of the reward process. It was everyone had bowls. And we had a big pile of these decorative pebbles. So if you and I, if you were in sales and I was in development, I could say, well, I'm going to give this pebble to Jill because she helped me understand this particular thing for a feature I was working on. And here's a pebble for you. And that became the thing for us to, to, to help stitch the change together. So I think the, the candy bars does the uh, same thing. It, it helps people just, it, it doesn't always have to be serious. It can be fun. It can be something that's, that's a little bit cool. Um, did, did that stuff become wallpaper at some point? Because I imagine it was probably in that hallway for a good year, I would think, right? Yeah, yeah, it was in the hallway. Just, I think it was just under a year that it would be there. Um, some departments, after a few months, I approached the managers of the departments and I said, so look, are you guys still using this or not or what? Uh, and some department managers said, yeah, I take it into my department meetings and we don't move a lot of post-it notes or anything, but it is still good just to have that visual and to bring that in. And other departments said, yeah, we just kind of leave alone. Um, and that's okay. I think like really it, it depends on what you were hoping to get out of it. And my real objective was to make the change matter to the people and I met, and I shouldn't say I met that objective. We met that objective uh, just in putting on those those workshops and getting people engaged in what the change meant to them and how they could be part of it. Cool. So the um, as far as the the actual outcome, so we talked a little bit at the talk or at the top uh, that no one cried during launch week, and the one. <laughs> The one number that that stood out, which I, I think we kind of touched on it, was uh, uh, you said 97% of the people felt that their departments felt prepared. And when you were talking about the approach to training and the practice sessions, I, I, that may have contributed a lot to it in my view. But can you say a little bit about um, the, the, the outcomes that, that you got? Yeah, well... 
I feel really proud about that number. I have to say for our whole organization that 97% said that not only they were prepared, but their department was prepared. And I think a few things that contributed to that were the change canvases just to get people's minds wrapped around what it meant. But you're right, the training I think had a major impact there. And one of the pieces of feedback that I received is we were actually scheduled to launch on November 1st, but that launch date was postponed uh, by a month. So instead of launching on November 1st, we launched on December 1st, which gave people a whole extra month of review and refresher and, oh, well, I'm a little bit unsure about this and I'm a little bit unsure about that. Um, so it gave them that extra confidence boost. Um, but I shouldn't, like, it's not like they weren't, I don't think that they were, it's not that I don't think that they were prepared for November 1st. I think that they were prepared. I think it just, it, sometimes it's just like, oh my gosh, it's happening, it's happening, it's happening. And then all you can think about is, well, what could go wrong? What could go wrong? What could go wrong? Well, you know, I've only reviewed this one thing one time. And even though I've got the work instructions, what happens, you know? Uh, so it, it gave people the opportunity to really spend the time with, with their SMEs and, and develop that comfort level. Um, but also we had a really good launch team, right? Like uh, we had people on the floor. I think I've heard you call it nerds in purple jackets. Yeah. So, so nobody was in a purple jacket. We debated with like space heads or something like that, but because the theme of for Felix is he's launching into space. Uh, but in the end, it was just, you know, wear comfy clothes and hope the best. Um, but we had a lot of people around for support. And um, and they really, even though they might not have been used, like in a, oh my gosh, things are going crazy here. I think just having them there and available and known helped people feel a little bit more calm. So I think that, I mean, obviously there's a lot of contributing factors, but the fact that people got a lot of, training and felt confident in their training and in their trainers as well as feeling supported from like the launch test to actually launch and having that the people there to support them knowing how important they were both the users and the launch support people helped mm, okay and you did mention that uh, the the target it it launched within five weeks of that of that target date, which is pretty good for forecasting out in a two year long two year long project. Yeah, yeah, our developers were pretty proud of that. Actually, I mean, it's tough when you don't hit your target date, but at the same time, it was a big project, and they worked so hard on it, and it was. I think they, they felt really good that instead of launching something that might not have been as good as we wanted it to, I think it was, they were really happy that we waited so that we could launch a, a product that was ready to go and that people really felt confident with. Mm -hmm. Was that particularly stressful that last month? I imagine whenever there is a, uh, we want to move a date, then there's a bit of, uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, uh, October was a, was a stressful month um, mm. for people. And, and I mean, the decision to postpone wasn't made until very late in October. 
Mm -hmm. uh, the last week in October. So, you know, there was this big push, big push, big push, big push. And then, okay. So the pressure is relieved, but then it was almost like, okay, we're postponing by a month, but that doesn't mean that we take our foot off the gas, right? Like you still need to be ready for that. You still need, you can't just be like, oh, well, you know, now we've got an extra six weeks. So no problem. Like there was, it was kind of like we're postponing, but we better be ready for November 15th and not November 1st. Do you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. we wanted to build that two week buffer zone. Yeah. So before we get into the wrap up, is there, is there any, any story or insight that, uh, that I haven't asked you about that you wanted to share, whether it's uh, an outcome or a measurement or, or some type of aha moment? Um, I don't think so. Um, yeah, our, our, our biggest things were that we engaged people to make the change their own. I'm, I'm most proud about that. Um, and this will come as no surprise to change management people. We had really good executive support, right? Like they were there, but they weren't on top of us, right? They weren't on top of everybody in micromanaging. We could go to them and just be like, okay, we're going to need your help here. Or we're concerned about this. We can go this way or this way. What do you want? Um, and then one of the things that I, that only came to me uh, after we launched was, was like I mentioned before, getting people to work in the imperfect system. So they got used to things not being perfect. Um, right. I think that was a real big win for us. Um, and we did a pretty fun job of celebrating uh, when, when it did launch, like there were balloons and we had a whole launch week and it was, I, my memory of, of the, the day that we launched and I, cause I've never really been involved in anything like this before, but I walked by and, and one of these people who has been known as sometimes a bit of a challenge, this person said, I am so excited. I don't remember being this excited before. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like we're launching today and you are in this happy of a spot. Like, awesome uh, but then that morphed in the afternoon like from this buzzing in the office it morphed to quiet like it was remarkably quiet when we launched and I wasn't expecting that but the quiet was just that people were doing their jobs which was, yeah oh okay you know like I don't want to I don't want to wreck anything by saying anything right mm -hmm. um, so yeah I I I just think we did a few things well um, and that's because of a really great strong team that sometimes people were on board but if they weren't you know we eventually brought them on board mm -hmm. surely yeah I love I love the story I always reference it um, in in the workshops and things like that and I remember the first uh, couple of chats that we had there was um, you just had that sense of we're not exact. We know where we're going to go. We're not exactly sure how we're going to get there, but we'll figure it out. So there, there, there was always a feeling of confidence that, um, yeah, if we get people together, communicating, collaborating, helping them see that they own the change, supporting them, then it's going to work out. So I kind of got that vibe when you told the story at the at the workshop in Ottawa, and then and, and from our chats. So. I think there is a lot that uh, us change folks can learn around just, re re it might sound corny, but remain calm. Yeah. <laughs> we, will, we will figure it out. 
You know, mm-hmm. we don't need to hold people's hands through this and we don't need to worry about resistance and stuff. We just need to kind of function the way society does, create our agreements, have conversations, have the hard conversations, and, and we will figure out a way through it. Yeah, and also just being open to experiment, right? Like, well, I see that this might be a challenge, so how about I try that mm-hmm. and see how it works? And, you know, like kind of putting that out there and then leaving it and then evaluating, like, did it work? Did it not work? How well did it work? Is that good enough? You know, like, I, I like the idea of experimenting because it's not like this is the way that we have to go. It's like, well, let's try this. And that really helps too. Great. So what's next for you uh, and national leasing? So are you going to embark on another big two-year thing now? Or you're gonna, you guys are going to take a bit of a breather and enjoy the new system? Uh, yeah, so we, so what I was brought in for was part two of a three part launch. So currently we're working on, on what we're calling season three. Uh, and that is set to launch either late this year or early next year. And since, since people got wind of the success of, of launching our, our Felix season two, um, I've now been like, oh, hey, Jill, we've got this other change that, you know, maybe you can get involved in and this other change that you can get involved in. So it's kind of exciting as a new change management person to get invited to these things and try to figure out, well, what aspect can I bring in here and what is new and continuing to experiment and try things and see how they end up. Cool. Uh, that would be a pretty neat metaphor, the, the whole uh, TV series part of it. Season one, season two, season three, all the episodes, the, the, the mid-season cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't gone into the cliffhanger yet, but if I were to think back, maybe that happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks very much for, for taking the time to chat. And uh, for those listening on the podcast or for those watching this on YouTube, if you have any questions, um, feel free to add it to the, uh, to the blog post. And um, we will, we'd be more than happy to respond to, to those comments as well. And there is a feedback URL. So given that we've changed the, uh, the format of the, the podcast and the videos here, if you go to leanchange.org slash podcast feedback, then we'd appreciate any feedback because we've gone to a live and unscripted model instead of uh, something that's shiny and polished for most podcasts. So hopefully you're enjoying that format. But thanks again very much, uh, Jill, for joining us and uh, check out the show notes for how you can learn more about this awesome story. Thanks, Jason. Thanks.